The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine, Book 3, The Girondins, Chapter 8, In Death Grips. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 3, Chapter 8, In Death Grips. It proves what strength, were it only of inertia, there is in established formulas, what weakness in nascent realities, and illustrates several things, that this death wrestle should still have lasted some six weeks or more. National business, discussion of the Constitutional Act, for our Constitution should decidedly be got ready, proceeds along with it. We even change our locality. We shift on the 10th of May from the old Salle de Manege into our new hall in the palace, once a king's but now the republics of the Tuileries. Hope and Ruth, flickering against despair and rage, still struggles in the minds of men. It is a most dark, confused death wrestle, this of the six weeks. Formalist frenzy against realist frenzy, patriotism, egoism, pride, anger, vanity, hope and despair, all raised to the frenetic pitch. Frenzy meets frenzy like dark clashing whirlwinds. Neither understands the other. The weaker one day will understand that it is very swept down. Girondism is strong as established formula and respectability. Do not as many as 72 of the departments, or say respectable heads of departments, declare for us? Calvados, which loves its bouze, will even rise in revolt, so hint the addresses. Marseille, cradle of patriotism, will rise. Bordeaux will rise, and the Gironde department as one man. In a word, who will not rise were our representation nationale to be insulted, or one hair of a deputy's head harmed? The mountain, again, is strong as reality and audacity. To the reality of the mountain are not all furthersome things possible? A new 10th of August, if needful, nay, a new 2nd of September. But on Wednesday afternoon, 24th day of April, year 1793, what tumult as of fierce jubilee is this? It is Marat returning from revolutionary tribunal. A week or more of death peril, and now there is triumphant acquittal. Revolutionary tribunal can find no accusation against this man. And so the eye of history beholds patriotism, which had gloomed unutterable things all week, break into loud jubilee. Embrace its Marat, lift him into a chair of triumph, bear him shoulder-high through the streets. Shoulder-high is the injured people's friend, crowned with an oak garland, amid the wavy sea of red nightcaps, carmagnole jackets, grenadier bonnets and female mobcaps, far-sounding like a sea. The injured people's friend has here reached his culminating point. He too strikes the stars with his sublime head. But the reader can judge with what face President La Source, he of the painful probabilities who presides in this convention hall, might welcome such jubilee tide when it got thither, and the decreed of accusation floating on the top of it. A national sapper, spokesman on the occasion, says, The people know their friend and love his life as their own. Whosoever wants Marat's head must get the sappers first. Lassos answered with some vague, painful mumblement, which, says Lavasseur, one could not help tittering at. Patriot sections, volunteers not yet gone to the frontiers, come demanding the purgation of traitors from your own bosom. 
the expulsion or even the trial and sentence of a factious twenty-two. Nevertheless, the Gironde has got its commission of twelve, a commission specially appointed for investigating these troubles of the legislative sanctuary. Let Sanscalotism say what it will, law shall triumph. Old constituent Rabo Saint-Étienne presides over this commission. It is the last plank whereon a wrecked republic may perhaps still save herself. Rabot and they therefore sit, intent, examining witnesses, launching arrestments, looking out into a waste dim sea of troubles, the womb of formula, or perhaps her grave. Enter not that sea, O reader. There are dim desolation and confusion, raging women and raging men. Sections come demanding twenty-two, for the number first given by section Bon Conseil still holds, though the name should even vary. Other sections of the wealthier kind come denouncing such demand. Nay, the same section will demand today and denounce the demand tomorrow, according as the wealthier sit or the poorer. Wherefore, indeed, the Girondins declare that all sections shall close at ten in the evening before the working people come, which decree remains without effect. And nightly the mother of patriotism wails doleful, doleful but her eye kindling. And Fournier, l'Américaine, is busy, and the two banker frays, and Valle, apostle of liberty, the bull voice of Marquis Saint-Rouge, is heard. And shrill women vociferate from all galleries, the convention ones and downwards. Nay, a central committee of all the forty-eight sections looms forth, huge and dubious, sitting dim in the arshvesh, sending resolutions, receiving them, a centre of the sections, in dread deliberation as to a new 10th of August. One thing we will specify to throw light on many. The aspect under which, seen through the eyes of these Girondin twelve, or even seen through one's own eyes, the patriotism of the softer sex presents itself. There are female patriots, whom the Girondins call Megueras, and count to the extent of eight thousand, with serpent hair all out of curl, who have changed the distaff for the dagger. They are of the society called Brotherly, Fraternel, say Sisterly, which meets under the roof of the Jacobins. Two thousand daggers or so have been ordered, doubtless, for them. They rush to Versailles to raise more women, but the Versailles women will not rise. Nay, behold, in National Garden of Tuileries, Demoiselle Terogne herself is become as brown-locked Diana, were that possible, attacked by her own dogs, or she-dogs. The Demoiselle, keeping her carriage, is for liberty indeed, as she has full well shown, but then for liberty with respectability. Whereupon these serpent-haired extreme she-patriots do now fasten on her, tatter her, shamefully fustigate her in their shameful way, almost fling her into the garden ponds had not help intervened. Help, alas, to small purpose, the poor demoiselle's head and nervous system, none of the soundest, is so tattered and fluttered that it will never recover, but flutter worse and worse till it crack and within year and day we hear of her in madhouse and straight waistcoat, which proves permanent. Such brown-locked figure did flutter, and inarticulately jabber and gesticulate, little able to speak the obscure meaning it had through some segment of that eighteenth century of time. She disappears here from the revolution and public history for evermore. 
Another thing we will not again specify, yet again beseech the reader to imagine, the reign of fraternity and perfection. Imagine, we say, O reader, that the millennium was struggling on the threshold, and yet not so much as groceries could be had, owing to traitors. With what impetus would a man strike traitors in that case? Ah, thou canst not imagine it, thou hast thy groceries safe in the shops, and little or no hope of a millennium ever coming. But indeed, as to the temper there was in men and women, does not this one fact say enough? the height suspicion had risen to. Preternatural, we often called it, seemingly in the language of exaggeration, but listen to the cold deposition of witnesses. Not a musical patriot can blow himself a snatch of melody from the French horn, sitting mildly pensive on the housetop, but Mercier will recognise it to be a signal which one plotting committee is making to another. Distraction has possessed harmony herself, lurks in the sound of Marseillaise and Saïra. Louvet, who can see as deep into a millstone as the most, discerns that we shall be invited back to our old hall of the Manège by a deputation, and then the anarchists will massacre twenty-two of us as we walk over. It is Pitt and Coburg, the gold of Pitt. Poor Pitt! They little know what work he has with his own friends of the people getting them bespied, beheaded, their habeas corpuses suspended, and his own social order and strong boxes kept tight to fancy him raising mobs among his neighbours. But the strangest fact connected with French, or indeed with human suspicion, is perhaps this of Camille Desmoulins. Camille's head, one of the clearest in France, has got itself so saturated through every fibre with preternaturalism of suspicion that looking back on that 12th of July, 1789, when the thousands rose round him, yelling responsive at his word in the Palais Royal Garden, and took cockades, he finds it explicable only on this hypothesis that they were all hired to do it and set on by the foreign and other plotters. It was not for nothing, says Camille, with insight, that this multitude bursts up around me when I spoke. No, not for nothing. Behind, around, before, it is one huge preternatural puppet play of plots, pit pulling the wires. Almost, I conjecture, that I, Camille, myself am a plot and wooden with wires. The force of insight could no further go. Be this as it will, history remarks that the Commission of Twelve, now clear enough as to the plots, and luckily having got the threads of them all by the end, as they say, are launching mandates of arrest rapidly in these May days, and carrying matters with a high hand, resolute that the sea of troubles shall be restrained. What chief patriot, section president even, is safe? They can arrest him, tear him from his warm bed, because he has made irregular section arrestments. They arrest Valet, Apostle of Liberty. They arrest Procureur Substitute Hébert, Père Duchesne, a magistrate of the people sitting in Town Hall, who with high solemnity of martyrdom takes leave of his colleagues, prompt he to obey the law, and solemnly acquiescent disappears into prison. The swifter fly the sections, energetically demanding him back, demanding not arrestment of popular magistrates, but of a traitorous twenty-two. 
Section comes flying after section, defiling energetic with their Cambyses vein of oratory. Nay, the commune itself comes, with mere pash at its head, and with question not of a bear in the twenty-two alone, but with this ominous old question made new. Can you save the Republic, or must we do it? To whom President Max Enard makes fiery answer, if by fatal chance in any of those tumults which since the 10th of March are ever returning, Paris were to lift a sacrilegious finger against the national representation, France would rise as one man in never-imagined vengeance, and shortly the traveller would ask on which side of the Seine Paris had stood, whereat the mountain bellows only louder and every gallery, patriot Paris boiling round. And Girondin Valaise has nightly conclaves at his house, sends billets, come punctually and well armed, for there is to be business. And Megara women perambulate the streets with flags, with lamentable allelu. And the convention doors are obstructed by roaring multitudes. Fine spoken hommes d'etat are hustled, maltreated as they pass. Marat will apostrophize you in such death peril and say, Thou too art of them. If Roland ask leave to quit Paris, there is order of the day. What help? Substitute a bear, apostle valet must be given back to be crowned with oak garlands. The commission of twelve in a convention overwhelmed with roaring sections is broken. Then on the morrow, in a convention of rallied Girondins, is reinstated. Dim chaos, or the sea of troubles, is struggling through all its elements, writhing and chafing towards some creation. End of Book 3, Chapter 8